Hi, I'm Sky, and welcome to the IB Voices podcast, where students, teachers, and education experts share their passion for the IB and bring our programs to life. In this episode, we'll be discussing the value of language development and how it can be implemented to create a meaningful learning experience for students. Language development is one of the four components of the IB career-related program core. The ability to communicate in more than one language is essential to the IB's concept of an international education, and the language development component encourages CP students to develop a language other than their best language, aiming to provide them with the language skills and intercultural understanding to enable them to communicate in an environment where the language studied is spoken. This episode's host is Zach Fernbach, and joining him is Chad Lower, CP coordinator at North Kansas City High School and IBEN educator. Today, he shares with us some of the challenges students and teachers encounter in engaging with language development, particularly in the current context of online, distance, blended learning and teaching. He will highlight some promising practices to create meaningful learning experiences for students. So you've had the CP program pretty much since the beginning. Yeah, the CP program started, uh, 2012 was the first graduating class. And so we are one of the, I think we were like school 67. Currently there are about 250 CP schools globally. Language development in the CP, that is one of the core elements of the program, which allows for a significant flexibility for schools and students. Language development is one of the four core components of the CP core. It asks that students identify and develop an additional language and encourages them to explore how language can complement their career-related studies. So similar to the reflective project and service learning, you are required as a CP candidate to complete 50 hours over grade 11 and 12 or year one and two of the career-related program. Something that's quite beautiful, but sometimes it's something that's quite intimidating to a lot of schools when they go to implement it is that you basically have a couple options for its implementation. And these options can include, it can be a school design course. It can also be an external provider, so someone in the community you could use. It also could be an online language course platform, or what we use is the school-monitored self-directed language study. Can you talk a little bit more about what the language development aspect of the CP looks like at your school? At my high school, which is North Kansas City High School, we use that self-directed language study to complete the language development component. And our students have the option to explore any additional language they would like, and most of our students will migrate to whatever they've studied at school. So we offer the French, Spanish, and German, and most kids will opt to stay with that. If we do have kids, for example, that would like to do something outside of that, such as Mandarin or Finnish is what we've had in the past, the language development coordinator who comes from our foreign language department and I, that's our responsibility to kind of go out and explore to connect that CP candidate with someone who is knowledgeable in that language. So again, we encourage them to do whatever they want language-wise. Most kids stay safe and will stay with their language, which makes sense because they'll probably go on to use it later. So how that works in our system is it's framed by our PPS or personal and professional skills course and our language development coordinator, she will meet with them during the PPS classes 
So right now we have three PPS classes. She will switch with the PPS teacher. She will show them some videos, show them foreign commercials, have discussions with the kids so that they're aware of the linguistic differences. So we do a four block schedule, A, B. And so we also give her one of those classes that is just dedicated to language development. So she's meeting with them in the PPS class once a month. And then she also has that flexibility every other day for meeting with kids, the CP candidates, to make sure that they're doing their work. And then also during these monthly visits, like I had said, she includes lessons that pertain to the importance of language. And this could involve not only the linguistic approaches, but also the non-linguistic nuances, such as body language and personal space and salutations. It's things that kids are very interested in. So for example, like in France or Spain, in Latino or Latinx countries, the personal space is much closer than that in the United States. And I think sometimes kids aren't aware of that. So when they do go visit and somebody's standing a little bit too closely, not during the pandemic, of course, but post pandemic, right? When they travel, the kids can understand, hey, you know, that is something that's culturally accepted. Not a lot of kids realize that, but kids are super interested in things of that nature. Is that unique just for CP students? Yeah, that's a great question. So depending on what the framework is that you as a school decide to do, um, I think more and more what's happening is the language development. Initially, everybody starts off with a very linguistic lens and then realizes that kids are like, all right, I've learned this list of vocabulary that pertains to engineering. Now, what can I do with it? And so we revamped this about three years ago and the kids seem to be much more enthusiastic about the language component. Could you tell me more about how the student's learning is structured and shared, given that this isn't sort of your regular timetabled class? So in grade 11, or the first year of CP, what we decided is that we concentrate on the linguistic aspects, right? We familiarize the students with their career-related study vocab, structures and text types that will help them navigate their chosen professional field, should in fact they decide to work in this field. And that's super practical from a linguistic point of view. And then some of the lessons she would introduce exploring words and phrases that relate to the student's career, those idiomatic expressions, right, that are find also to be quite interesting. Because if you think about it, we have a lot of idiomatic expressions that we use, you know, he's driving me up the wall, which may translate in French to he makes me hit the ceiling or something like that. So kids are always interested in how that works also. And that's a good linguistic tool to use with the kids. And then students also work with the language to ensure that they can linguistically articulate their skills and navigate their careers satisfactorily. And then in grade 12 or the second year of the CP, we decided to focus more on the cultural nuances like we had talked about. This includes a final presentation in the language that highlights the linguistic and cultural meld. So for example, we had a student who was a culinary arts student and she was studying French as her second language. During her presentation, she was very intentional explaining how the order of the food was different from that in the United States. She indicated also several differences. For example, that the meals in France start with soup 
and that the salad is served after the main course, which again is a disorientation for a lot of kids because they assume everybody eats the same way. She also revealed a typical table setting in France and how the spoon goes at the top across the top of the plate as opposed to on the side. Again, something that's quite interesting for kids to explore. And then as we talked about mentioning the salatory customs, such as handshaking and then la bise, which is the kiss on the cheek. The other thing that she was explaining was the kiss on the cheek can be one, two, or three, depending on the region of France or Belgium or even Switzerland. These are things that kids do not understand in the United States a lot of times. So just opening that globally. And then what we do is those final presentations that everyone gives, we kind of culminate them so that everybody is exposed to seeing those differences so that no matter where you travel, you have those tools with which to navigate and things don't seem as unfamiliar. So how do you navigate all the different career possibilities that there are? And then on top of that, the language idiosyncrasies that can be found in each different one. That sounds very personalized. Yes, it can become very personalized. And I think the reason that we have given the language development coordinator access to not only the personal professional skills class, where she can just give a general overview of language, but then when she meets with them individually, they can really start hammering out what they wanna do. So say, for example, the girl who presented for culinary arts, French was very helpful for her because she could draft a menu that did reflect a lot of what she had learned in her French class. And she could understand that, you know, there were certain meals that she was familiar with, but then you get some kids, for example, like an engineer, who maybe wants to do Spanish, okay, well then what what does that look like? And what our language development coordinator does in tandem with our service learning coordinator is, hey, how about you go spend a summer, you know, working in a Spanish-speaking country? Well, that might not be something that a kid could do logistically, but how about you Zoom or Teams with someone who's an engineer in, I don't know, Mexico, for example, and then you could converse or try to, you know, again, using the language that you have. And those are some of the projects that she will encourage the kids to do. Every month they have a series of five things they need to choose from. And one of them would be, for example, like working off a language platform, just so that you're getting or you're building your vocabulary. But other things would include experiences, whether that be virtual or in-person, where you are working with people and interacting with people in the language that students are studying. So it depends. You sometimes have things that complement each other very well, like the culinary arts and the French. And then you may have some things that don't quite make sense maybe to us, but make perfect sense to students. So what would you say is the greatest value of language development for students? I started my career as a French teacher, so language has always been something that's super important to me. But I just think that I'm a huge proponent of knowing an additional language. Knowing additional languages allows you to, as an individual, to expand your scope, not only linguistically, but culturally and globally. And I think that melds well with what IB is looking to do. That's kind of the mantra of IB. It just widens your world and just enriches your soul. 
language development is this really exciting opportunity for students to engage in language learning to enhance their intercultural understanding, but we know that it can sometimes present a challenge as well. I mean, what challenges have you encountered at your school and what have you done to sort of tackle them? Many of these kids, if it doesn't feel perfect to them linguistically, they're not going to be that risk taker. And so what the language development coordinator and I have to tried to do is with the cultural infusion and the non-linguistic infusion is to erode that fear. About three years ago, she came back to me and said, you know, it feels very artificial. And I said, well, what do you mean that it feels very artificial? And she said, they're learning the language but they're not really using it in a lot of quote unquote real world context. And so we are fortunate that we offer many lenses to experience this language development, but many of them still feel very superficial or contrived. And so hopefully with the addition of the cultural nuances that have helped the learning, I mean, I think it makes it a little bit more approachable, but we're still not there. And we are looking to expand this post pandemic by going out into the community. I mean, our community or our school is pretty diverse. We just need to start using, and that's where the service learning component comes in as well. So we have made a lot of connections with a lot of businesses. Unfortunately, they have not been very diverse. And so we're looking to have these kids do their service learning and do their language development where they are working and interfacing with people who speak the language so that it's more real life. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really like that language development is an actual core component of the CP, because when you think about career training or learning how to do a job, you learn the most when you're doing it. So I love the idea that the language development aspect is like that in the CP, where you actually have to do it. You have to practice, and that's how you get better at it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's the idea of giving the kid the platform, not only linguistically, as I keep saying, but also non-linguistic. And that's, I think, what differentiates this from your language class. I mean, that you can have, in spite of yourself, a little bit more fun, and you can understand a lot of the different dimensions of what a language brings. So in addition to being the CP coordinator at your school, you are also an IBEN visiting team leader, an IBEN consultant, a workshop leader. So in these various roles, have you noticed any sort of common challenges that other CP schools or CP educators and students are encountering? So what's nice about being in the IB educator network is that I do get to see a lot of different school environments. And so what happens is when I travel or when I'm giving a workshop, the most intimidating component always is this, the language development. And so, as I said, the beauty is that it's flexible. But that's also something that's threatening to a lot of people because a lot of people, and I speak just for the United States when I say this, there are a lot of schools that really do not understand the approach to additional learning. It can create a lot of anxiety for the staff. And I'm sure this can be a problem worldwide. But as I said, like in the United States, because we're such a monolingual society, second language learning can be misconstrued. And thus people get proficiency mixed up with development. And we want to be very clear in that the fact that the kid does not have to be speaking on a proficient level. And these poor students, these schools that I visit where they're trying to digest thousands of words a month so that they can become proficient. That is not what language development is looking to do. It's just that, development. 
And so the aim is for students to develop their language ability. There's no requirement for students to attain proficiency. There's nobody coming on campus who's going to test that proficiency. And you and I both understand that 50 hours over year one, year two, grade 11, grade 12 is not going to guarantee proficiency for anyone. So this idea of don't feel so anxious, it's again developing, you're looking at growth. So what your growth may be is very different than what my development may be, and that's okay. We wanna honor both of those things. But we do wanna make sure that the kid is motivated, not only linguistically, but to understand those nuances. I mean, I haven't seen other schools outside of the United States, but I have talked to people who have worked in bilingual schools. And this language development is actually the answer to many of their issues that they have with language, right? Because it does bring that robust global roundness. It's very much more successful in biliterate schools just because it helps the student with that second language to develop a little bit more outside of the textbook. So you mentioned before a little bit about how the pandemic is sort of something that unfortunately prevents students from being able to interact in person with fluent speaker professionals in the career fields that they're working in. So over the past eight months, what are some promising practices you've seen that sort of transition to online or blended learning? Because it's a self-study here at our school, we haven't really made much change. The general approach taken by our school continues to be sustainable, and it's been relatively straightforward for us to navigate the current circumstances. So we pretty much have stayed the course, practicing the same elements. But again, looking for more of that authentic connection, I think that it's okay to do virtually, but you and I both understand that when you go into the virtual world, there's something missing with that face-to-face interaction. So I think most of the programs with which I've worked, including ours, we've done a nice job of dealing with it during the pandemic. The one thing that has changed for us is instead of having our language development coordinator go into the PPS classes now, she uses Canvas where she does a monthly module where she will record a video for the kids explaining every month what their objectives are. So instead of doing it face-to-face, it becomes just the recording. It is as effective. And again, it's not pulling her into the classroom where there's more exposure because right now we are in a hybrid where kids come to school. If your last name is A through L, you come to school two days. If your last name is M through Z, you come to school a different two days. And then Wednesday is our work from home. So we just decided the service learning coordinator, the language development coordinator that we would video in because that would be less intrusive. And then you can also just use, you know, online language learning platforms such as Babbel or Duolingo. There's something out there called FluentU and LanguagePod that have developed recently. You don't want to make that everything the kid does. The platform is fine, but you want to make sure that you're enriching that with other things. And then students are also in this day and age encouraged to develop digital portfolios for the language portfolio, which is due at the end of the second year. And so we've migrated. Wix is a great platform in the fact that it's very well organized. It's tabs that kids can toggle between. We always gave them the option to do a paper or to do a digital. I think that the digital feels a little bit more slick just overall and i think the kids enjoy it it's just that we never exposed them all to that pre-pandemic 
some kids like to do the portfolio that's paper-based and that's fine. But we're finding that with the online Wix platform, it works a little bit better in a lot of different ways for kids. What would you say is probably the most important piece of advice teachers or other coordinators can give to students regarding language development? Right, this goes back to the flexibility. So the flexibility of this component, which was designed to help educators, seems to be the aspect that sometimes intimidates these educators. And as I was saying before, I've seen this time and time again. And I feel like IB designed this to be an organic experience, with sometimes also, for example, if you're doing the DP and you're doing the CP, there are so many rules to follow. And then with language development, what happens is we say, well, here are a couple options. You do whatever you need to do. And so we always say to the kids, like, be a risk taker. But when I visit these schools, I see that there's not a lot of risk taking, right? That we migrate to the platform because it's the safest. It's just explore those options, right? And the other thing I would say is use not only your faculty, but also your students. Your students a lot of times can tell you what they want and what they need. And I think a lot of times we get so stuck in developing from a staff point of view or a faculty point of view that we lose the voice of the student. You need to give it a life. I mean, it has a life of its own. It's just that, as I said, use your students. They can tell you what they want to learn. And I think that when we introduce this cultural, non-linguistic element, kids who were not loving the language development component started to become more motivated because we were appealing to what they wanted. And again, it's language development. It's not proficiency. So I think as we've gone through and we've developed and the CP has kind of started to, you know, gain some momentum that people understand that the language development is not attaining proficiency. Well, thank you, Chad, so much for your time, for everything you do, for making a safe, welcoming classroom for your students. Well, thank you. Good talking to you. Thank you to Chad Lower for sharing his insights and his enthusiasm for language development with us today. And thank you for joining us for this episode of CP Podcasts. For additional information about today's topic, visit us at ibo.org cp, or click the link in today's episode description to see a related learning story. To check out more episodes of IB Voices and to never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Join us next time for more stories and inspiring ideas from our IB community.